This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Coming down the home stretch of the college season, we're going to do an inventory check with about two weeks to go for KU. We'll talk to Greg Gurley, former KU basketball player, current color analyst for the Jayhawk Radio Network, and we'll finish up with a mailbag. By the way, we may, may have a bonus episode for you coming later this week. No promises, but I feel good about it. So you can't hold it against me if we don't have it. How's that for a tease, by the way? Does that, does that even count as a tease if I don't come through? Actually, I think that's the definition of a tease. When you say something might happen, you allude to something potentially happening, and then it doesn't actually happen. I feel good about it, but we'll see. You can't hold it against me if it doesn't happen, but uh, be on the lookout for it. Coming later this week. It's that time of the year, man. It's that time of the year where things are ramping up, and we're gearing up for the NCAA tournament, trying to figure out who's legit and who the pretenders are. I certainly don't think Kansas is a pretender, but they have sort of found themselves in that limbo, that college basketball limbo all season long of being a really, really good team. But a lot of people, myself included, having a hard time saying with any level of certainty that they are a national championship contender. But it's that time of the year. It's that time of the year to figure out who you are, what you got, and go with it. And that's not to say that coaches aren't going to continue to work on weaknesses and try to fix deficiencies, right? KU's not a great defensive team, and Bill Self's a great defensive coach. He's not just going to throw in the towel in that regard. But for the most part, you know who you are, you know what you're good at, and you know how you're going to win games. It's time for this Kansas team to figure out what their identity is, what the ceiling of that identity is, and how to get as close as possible to that ceiling. Right, KU's identity this season, it's pretty obvious if you've watched them play. They are really good at driving to the hoop. They cut well. They score at the rim with incredible efficiency. They're unbelievable at crashing the offensive glass. One of the best offensive rebounding teams in the nation. 
They're great at getting second chance opportunities. They outscrap the other team. They out hustle the other team and they hit open threes. Like that is KU when they're at their best. They don't do that every single game, but when they're at their best, that is what Kansas does. That is their identity. And notice how everything I just laid out there all is found on offense because this is a good offensive team. Ken Palm has them as the third best offense in the country. 37th is their defensive ranking, which is surprising given that Bill Self has been the best or one of the best defensive coaches in the country over the last two decades, which is why he's not going to throw in the towel on this team defensively. But they're never going to make their name on defense. They can make marginal improvements, but that's never going to be who they are. I actually think this has been a really fun Kansas team to watch. I don't know how most people feel about them. I know because it's Kansas, they were in the preseason expected to be one of the top two or three teams in the country. They haven't always played like it. It feels like, and maybe I'm wrong here, but it feels like there's been this sort of air of underwhelming, right? They haven't quite been as good as maybe you thought they were going to be before the season. Um, maybe that's true. I did think Kansas was one of the top two or three teams in the country, but I, I still think their aspirations of going to a Final Four, going to a national championship, are still very alive because they have a niche. They have a thing they can hang their hat on, and that is their offense. I mean, unless you're Gonzaga or Purdue, there's nobody who can point to Kansas and say, we're better at scoring the ball than they are. We're more efficient at doing this thing than they are. By the way, before we go any further, can we just do a little Jalen Wilson appreciation? How much fun has it been watching this dude sort of figure it out on the fly across the course of the season? Last year, nobody expected him to start the year the way he did, where he was, I mean, Kansas's de facto go-to option on offense. And then all of a sudden, defenses start to figure him out. They start to game plan for him, and the efficiency, the effectiveness sort of wore off by the end of the season. Didn't play the first three games of this year. When he does come back, it's a completely different team than he found himself on last year. All of a sudden, Dewan Harris is your starting point guard. Remy Martin's handling the ball a lot. Christian, Ochai both took huge step forwards. And then all of a sudden, you're coming off the bench and you're trying to figure out, like, how do I fit in on this team? What's my role here? And it was ugly, really, throughout non-com play. Then all of a sudden, conference play came along. He started to get his groove. He gets back into the starting lineup. That seemed to be a huge confidence boost for him. But the past five games, really ever since the Kentucky game, dude's been on a tear. 16 points, eight rebounds over the last five games. And kudos to him. Kudos to him for carving out a very specific role on this team. And he did it the way that the coaching staff wants him to do it. And if you ever want to be in Bill Self's good graces, stop worrying about scoring and do the dirty work, right? We talked to Landon Lucas, I think it was last month, about you know, the advice you would give a big guy. Just do the dirty work. Play hard. Right? Do all the little stuff. Stop worrying about scoring. The rest will take care of itself. That certainly worked for Jalen because he's become like the scrappiest guy on the team, fighting for every offensive rebound. He's around every loose ball put back opportunities. He always seems to be near the ball making plays and it's just been really fun. I know this won't happen, but if all Big 12 teams were determined based off of what you did just in Big 12 play, Jalen Wilson would be a first team all-conference player. Unfortunately, he wasn't great in non-com play, so he's probably not going to get that nod. But if you just want to look at Big 12 play, he has been one of the five best players in the conference. Also, if we're going to give Jalen Wilson credit, let's also give a shout out to Dewan Harris. 
I know it's been up and down with him with the KU fan base. He deserves a ton of credit for what he's done. Let's go look at those last five games, right? The month of February since the Kentucky game, Juan Harris averaging eight points, six assists per game. I don't think it's any coincidence that his uptick in production has come and coincided with Remy Martin not playing. I'm not saying that Remy was keeping him from playing, but stability, it's structure. It's knowing I'm the point guard. This is how we're going to run offense. We're not changing up the lineups. There is no fluctuation with who's initiating the offense, how the offense is running. He's looked really good, settled into his role, also shooting 36% from three the last five games. That's all he needs to do. That's actually more than he needs to do because every team is going to dare him to shoot the ball. And at least as of late, if you're leaving him open, he's been able to do at least enough to be respectable to make you think maybe, just maybe, we should change up our defensive game plan. This team is finding a groove. They're finding it on offense despite all of the defensive issues continuing to persist. It was really evident on Saturday against Oklahoma. I mean, they just allow way too many easy buckets inside, and that probably isn't changing. It went Dave, and then all of a sudden Mitch comes in, and then Mitch wasn't getting the job done, so let's try out the next guy. KJ Adams comes in. He screws up a play on offense. Then by the second half, it was the Zach Clements show, which, dude, the most electric player on the team. He's not the best. Uh, He's only played nine minutes each of the last two games. When he's on the court, I can't stop watching him play. I love watching Zach Clements. He's got a swagger about him. I think he's going to be a really good player. I don't know how much of a role he's going to have the rest of this season, but it was actually surprising to me to see against Oklahoma State him be the first big off the bench. Like Bill Self gave him a chance, and I don't think he did anything in that game to make me think that going into the last six games of this regular season that he's not going to have a legitimate chance to, to sort of hold off Mitch and KJ and be that first big off the bench. As for the defensive issues, the interior defense, can they overcome it? I can easily present to you a scenario where KU is in the Elite Eight or the Final Four or in the Sweet 16, right? And they're playing Kentucky or Gonzaga or Purdue, right? One of these teams that has elite big man play and they just get annihilated inside. Those teams are getting whatever they want at the rim. They run KU out of the gym, much like Kentucky did against Kansas and Allen Fieldhouse. And that's how KU's season ends. But I could just as easily do that for KU and their offense. KU, with the way they play, offensive rebounding, getting easy shots inside, having a national player of the year candidate in Ochai, like they have a niche. They know what they do well. And they're starting to figure it out at the right time. This team isn't going to go on a run in March because they're the most complete team in the country. There have been years where you felt that way. 2017 is the last time I would have thought about it. 2020 as well, but obviously we didn't get to see them in the tournament. They're not going to cut down the nets because, hey, they were just the best team. And they showed it night in and night out. This is not a complete team. That's not how they win. KU wins in March if they maximize their strengths. If they understand where their advantages are and play to them better than their opponent does. A lot of that is coaching, but a lot of it is continuity. And they're getting continuity for the first time for a prolonged period of time all season. This is the team that Kansas is going to roll with the rest of the way. This is the lineup. This is the rotation they're going with the rest of the way. They're hitting their strides, and there's no reason for Bill Self and this coaching staff to try and change anything up. I know a lot of people still seem to view Remy as a missing piece, 
listen, do I think that Remy could come back and be this shot-making ball handler that they're missing? In an ideal world, yes. But can he do that while also being a secondary scoring option and existing within the structure of the offense? If he had any interest in doing that, I think he'd be playing right now. But instead, he's still trying to come back from a knee injury that I'm sure we'll get to in the mailbag. There's two weeks left in the season. So to think that a guy who couldn't fit in before he was injured is going to come back with four games and play and fit right in, probably not going to happen. We'll touch on this in the mailbag, but I'm probably going to have to walk back some of my previous comments on Remy. It's not that he or Mitch or or Jalen Coleman-Lands don't bring valuable things to the table. It's that continuity brings about familiarity. It means structure. I know my job. He knows his job. I know what he's going to do. He knows what I'm going to do. We may not be the best, but we know each other. Let's see if our best is as good as theirs. And we'll see if this Kansas team's best is as good as all the teams they're going to have to face in March. They may not be the best team in the country, but you can count the teams on one hand who can look at them and say that they're not afraid to play him. And if KU's going to have a special March, they're not going to have to play them all. We're always looking for that perfect team. We're always aspiring to be number one, the best at everything. That one improvement that can take them from being the, what are they at? The number six team in the country to the number three team in the country. How can this team go from being the number three offense in the country to the number two offense or the number one offense in the country? That's Kansas, man. Elite program, unrealistic expectations. This is a good basketball team that seems to be settling into their identity at the right time. But I think we're well past the time of the year wishing that they're going to become someone they're not. They know what they do best. Now it's time to see if it's good enough to match the other guys best. Former Kansas guard, current color analyst for the Jayhawk Radio Network, Greg Gurley is our guest this week. Greg, we haven't talked KU since uh, non-com play. So before we get going and, and getting deeper into anything else, I just want to get a sense of sort of where you're at on this team, what are your impressions of what you've seen over the last couple of months and where they're at now coming down the home stretch of the regular season? Well, they're about where I thought they would be win-wise. Maybe a couple more losses than I expected. Uh, closer games than I expected, the games that we've won. So when it's all said and done, this record is about where I thought they'd be. The way they've gotten to it, is, is a little uh, surprising, or at least I didn't see this many close games for us. Uh, we've dropped two really close games that we probably shouldn't have lost, Dayton and Texas, but we've won a couple that we maybe shouldn't have won. So all in all, kind of where I, th- I thought they'd be. Um, I think if I looked at specific things, I don't think we're as good of a defensive team as I thought we'd be. Uh, we've gotten by and everything's good until it isn't. Um, but, you know, can we defend when it counts? At times, yes. But as, as, as all five guys on the court in sync, maybe not. Um, so, I mean, can you complain when, you, when you've gotten to 20 wins and you only have four losses and you're leading the Big 12? I guess that's what we do. Uh, when we're, uh, we evaluate Kansas basketball on a daily basis and a yearly basis when we look at, all right, we, we think we could be better, and what are we, six in the country? 
we, we believe we could be better. So I think that's a good thing. There's room for improvement, and uh, it's going to be fun down the stretch. Yeah, you talk about the defense, and I think one of Bill Self's core philosophies has always been you know, the, the best teams get easy buckets inside, and they stop the other team from getting easy buckets. And this team's been really good at scoring inside. They've got maybe the best slashing team that Bill Self's had when you think about Ochai and Christian and Jalen just getting inside, getting the rim, cutting, finishing. It's been really impressive, and I didn't see that coming. But the flip side that you mentioned is the interior defense is about as bad as I can remember a Bill Self team being. Is it is it bad enough to the point where you where you think that is a fatal flaw, or is there a way for them to overcome it and get by without having elite rim protection like we're used to seeing? Well, you start getting into old dog, new tricks. You know, are we uh, are things going to change in the next couple of weeks? Probably not. I think there's a pretty good sample size already of what we can expect down the road. Not necessarily a bad thing, but. Is, is, are we all of a sudden going to become this dominant rim-protecting team? Probably not. So you got to figure out with the pieces that you have what you're going to do with it. And, and, and I think, again, to get to where we're at, you know, 20-plus wins, only four losses, then, yeah, I think we've, he's done an amazing job. But as we meet Kentucky or Duke, you know, what happens with their length and their athleticism, how do we adapt? Uh, in 2018, we met that, and we adapted, and we beat a more athletic and bigger Duke team. I'm not just saying we're going to play Duke. Well, what lessons play. are to be learned from that? Because that's a really interesting one. Because I remember going into that game, uh, Marvin Bagley, Wendell Carter Jr., that was the best front court in the country. And going into that game, a lot of people, myself included, were like, all right, the run ends here. Like, there, there's no way you're going to be able to stop those guys inside. I mean, Marvin Bagley was, a, what was he, the second or third pick in the draft? Yeah. Well, they, had, they had three or four guys that are going to play in the NBA for 10, 12 years. I mean, so uh, not that we didn't have guys as well. They just seemed to, to be a, a bigger deal. And and uh, Svi guarded Marvin Bagley in the post and did a great job. So yeah. – is that going to happen as we move forward? I, I, I don't know, uh, but I, I I love this team. I love watching them play. They they give you a little a little heartburn, a little heart attack uh, about every game, uh, but they figure out how to win. Uh, you're going to you start you play with fire that long, you're going to lose a game like Dayton or a game like Texas. That's going to happen, but you you, you want to try to limit that. But that again, the sample size. We've been playing basketball now for over three months, so we got a pretty good sample size to work with. This this is basically what we got. The only outlier is going to be when does Remy get healthy and when does Remy uh, impact this team, and does he, more importantly, impact this team? What do you make of, you mentioned the Texas game, but then there was the Oklahoma game where it felt like it was over, and then all of a sudden... They're doing everything in their power to keep that game close at the end. You obviously finally had the, the blowout against Oklahoma State, but I don't know if you want to call them late-game blunders, late-game mistakes, inability to close teams out. Is there one common thread in those games that sticks out to you? Well, yesterday we started bad and ended bad, but in the middle we were really good. 
Saturday kind of played from behind most of the game. Kind of eight-point lead with a minute 32. And really, free throws is what killed us. I mean, free throws didn't kill us yesterday, but, you know, just we, we established such a nice lead. It's not the end of the world. Gives Bill Self a bad taste in his mouth moving forward and not trusting the guys that he put in there the last five minutes. But that ship has sailed. We're fine. 26-point lead, that's what you got to really, you know, harp on and understand that, hey, we're good enough to do that. So I don't really know if there's a common thread to it, but uh, free throws are definitely something we got to keep an eye on. I mean, free throws lost us the Texas game. Mm-hmm. Free throws almost lost us the Oklahoma game. And uh, you could point to some things throughout the last uh, couple months where we've at times, you know, the Texas Tech game, for instance, Ochai, for as great as he was, missed free throws down the stretch. Yeah. He's way too good of a player to do that. And I uh, end up with 37. What if, what if he makes free throws? So he'd be, we've been in the 40s. But uh, here we are dissecting a team at 20 and 4. Uh, but that's what we do, right? That's it's what we do. You got national championship aspirations, then, I mean, you're – you're chasing perfection, right? You're chasing to be the the flawless team in college basketball, even though there never is one. Yeah, Bill's a Bill's a always uh, uh, pleased, but never satisfied. He's always going to want to perfect things, and and I, I don't know outside of the Baylor game where have we played a, a, a real essentially perfect. You're never going to play a perfect forty minutes, but let's say let's say thirty five. I'd say Baylor would be the one game that we we probably did. Yeah, and I mean to steal a line from Bill, it's it's about getting as close to your individual ceiling as you can. And I mean, in that Baylor game, it may not have been perfect, but I feel like that was as close to Kansas's ceiling as they could possibly play. And it, and it sort of reminds me of the 2018 team, where that wasn't a great defense either, and they had a lot of sort of stub your toe moments throughout the season, but they played to their ceiling in March when they just got really, really hot from three, and they were the best offense in the country for two straight weeks. Is that kind of what this this team looks like to you, where if they're going to have a special run in March, they're going to have to do it by just getting really hot on offense and hoping the defense can just sort of do their part? Well, because we're going to be, with the exception of David, when David's rolling and we can get in the post, then we're really efficient offensive team but when he's not you're essentially playing four round one and you're trying to create angles for guys to go downhill either score throw up a giant a giant killer or pitch to the corner for a shot that's essentially take them basketball I mean you gotta like you're trying to beat your guy one-on-one and do we have one-on-one players yes do we have I mean Ochai's a great one-on-one player Jalen Christian, Dewan's turned into a nice one-on-one player, but it's hard to really, you know, stake your whole claim on just one-on-one basketball. You, you need to have option B, C, and D. Yeah, it's it's weird because you when you start talking one-on-one basketball, there's one player that comes to mind, and it's a guy we haven't seen in a while, right? It's Remy Martin. Because if I'm just and maybe I need to let go of like preseason expectations, probably should. Uh, it'd be really foolish over the years if I just hung on to preseason expectations year after year because they're very seldom accurate. But, I mean, he was the preseason Big 12 player of the year. He was a guy averaging 19 a game Which at, at Arizona State. I will State. say that 
getting voted as the preseason player of the year is about as big of an honor as like you giving your grandfather a world's greatest grandpa coffee mug. You think they hand out? You think they hand out plaques for preseason player of the year? They get little it trophies. Means nothing. <laughs> nothing. All I think it means is it might give you a leg up as you move forward if you have a good season. But, but I get it. But, but there's a reason. It. But there's a reason why KU went and got him. Right? There's a reason why sure. they went and got this guy because he because of last year he I mean, filled filled a void. Right? We thought he would fill a void. void. I mean, Marcus Marcus Garrett was not a point guard. And, but Marcus Garrett had to be a point guard, and Dewan was kind of learning. And, and let's not forget, Dewan Harris has been great this year. I know he's one of the most judged and criticized guys that I can remember, but Dewan Harris does a ton of good things for us. Plays 36 minutes, very few turnovers. Occasionally he gets bullied on defense. I mean, hell, he weighs 160 pounds. It's going to happen. But he does an amazing job at using the frame that he has to be a, a great defender and then taking advantage of his size and getting in there and getting some balls and getting easy buckets and just being a kind of a fly in the ointment. Hits a couple threes the other night. Can we count on him to be our three-point threat? No. But he's going to have to make some, and that is only going to get him more drives to the basket. So I'm a big Dewan Harris fan. I know our fan base is, is frustrated at times, but he does a ton of good things for us. So I go back to that Texas game where Bill Self calls a timeout. There's a couple seconds left, draws up a play. Dewan, whatever, the play I think was to go to Dave. He doesn't hit him, drives, goes with the floater, loses it, game over, right? And that was the game where I think a lot of people were super frustrated and right. said, this is why you need Remy Martin, right? This is why you need a playmaker, a shot maker, whatever the case is. It's it's interesting because Dewan, as you said, does a lot of different things that has earned them and the trust of Bill Self. But Remy was brought in to be that sort of shot maker, late game situation, be a big bucket getter. And for whatever reason, it just hasn't worked out. He's not healthy right now. Sure. Haven't seen him since January 29th was the last game he played. He didn't wasn't even starting before that. He hasn't started a game since January 4th, which was the first game of Big 12 play. Oklahoma State. Yeah. How important do you think he is to this team, his health, his status, and, and, and having him available in March? Well, I think it's huge because he gives us another ball handler, a guy that can be the quarterback. And you can play Dewan and him together, and Bill likes playing two point guards at once. And he's a threat. I mean, he's, you know, average 19 points a game in the Pac-12, and there's no denying that. I mean, that's a guy that knows how to score the basketball. So um, it's one of those things that, uh, yeah, uh, we need him. He, he, he has a, uh, a sense about him. He has a way about him that he, he, uh, he's not afraid of taking big shots. Sometimes he's, he's uh, too willing to take big shots at maybe the wrong time because playing at Kansas is different than playing at Arizona State. Uh, coaching styles are different, and, and that's part of the transfer portal, though. I mean, you're going to get a guy for a year and expect them to gel with the coach, that's going to take some time. But it's February. I mean, it's mid-February, right? You've got six games left in the season. So if you're still going through that learning process, like, is it, is it too late in the game? Going, is it too late in the game to expect that. that he's going to figure it out now? Yeah, we are going through that because of the injury. And, and yeah, in the middle to the end of February, you don't want to be going through it. But reality is we are because he's been – 
inconsistent simply because of injuries. So, I mean, that's the reality. I don't know how else to say it. Should we be going through it? No. But are we going through it? I think the answer is yes. Maybe it's it's probably easier for you than it is the average fan to sort of watch these games and recognize why a guy might not be playing or or what is going on, what Bill Self asks of his uh, of his guys out there. So can you can you explain for someone who maybe doesn't understand as much what Bill Self asks of these guys? What's been the cause maybe of Remy not quite looking comfortable out there or Bill not quite having total faith in him this year? Uh, can I explain? I mean, it's a trust thing that Dewan has built and Ochai has built and Christian. And what do they all have in common? They've been here for multiple years. Remy hasn't proven to Bill, and it's not his fault. It's just he hasn't been on the court long enough. Mm-hmm. And so that... that uh, Reality has gets extremely sped up because of the fact that he's a transfer and he's only been here since I think it was August. So uh, I don't know if there's a blame game or anything. It's just it's reality that this is how it's going to work and hey, get used to it because there's going to be another Remy Martin at Kentucky, at Kansas, at North Carolina, at Duke. That's going to happen, and you're gonna it's. I don't like the term renting players, but you're, to a degree, you're kind of renting them. I mean, Remy yeah. got here in August. He's going to be gone in May, and that's just how it is. So, uh, I, again, I don't know blame game-wise who you really look at. It's really, other than, than time, is the only way to heal or, or create this chemistry. And this trust. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not looking to, like, say, like, who is to blame or what's to blame. It's just, I think a lot of people can see the natural talent with him, right? You see his ability to, his, the quickness, that first step, he can get by guys probably better than anybody on this team. Um, in terms of just getting your own shot, he's, he's about as good as it gets. So I think for a lot of fans watching, you're saying, okay, I can see what this guy does. But I think, you know, for you and for other guys who understand the system and understand you know, what's being asked, it's, it's maybe a little bit easier to realize, okay, he's, he's not doing this right, he's not doing that right, that's why, you know, he can't stand I up. think if I had to really pinpoint something that he struggles on, I would say it's defense, and there's no better way to get Bill Self not on your side to not play defense. And, and I'm not saying he's not playing defense. Is it like assignments? Kind of, Is it like not knowing when to switch, not knowing when to stay? Like, what, what do you... I mean, it's everything with defense. Yeah. It's fundamentals, where to be, two passes away, one pass away. Can you stay in front of your, the, the guy you're guarding? Do you stop the ball in transition? Are you a good rebounder? So all that put together, the guys that are going to be on the floor are the guys that defend. And, uh, and, and it's you're going to have to sacrifice. If he's not as good a defender as you want him to be, he's going to have to decide whether or not he's going to sacrifice the, the defensive struggles for the offensive game. So I was re-watching a little bit of the game earlier today because I always watch with you and Brian on the call with the announcers muted. So just wanted to give you that. that uh, you don't watch the game on TV. You just watch the no. video of our audio. Yeah. That's, I don't believe you. Yeah, no, come on. I'm loyal. I'm loyal to a fault. But I was, I was, I was re-watching. I heard Fran say that it was an interesting little uh, thought that that he doesn't think point guard is is super important for this team because of the emergence of Jalen Wilson as of late. 
I, I think Jalen struggled to get comfortable early in the season when Remy was playing more. And it seemed like that role that he maybe had carved out last year wasn't there this year with all of the improvements that some of the guys had made and then the influx of Dewan playing more and, and Remy handling the ball. But as of late, it's almost been like coinciding with Remy playing less, needing another ball handler. Jalen's playing the best ball we've seen of his career. Do you think there's any correlation there? Or, or what would you point to that, that you're seeing with Jalen that's allowing him to have more success right now? Well, I still think, I think I'll address it one way first. I still think you need a point guard. I, I, I always love that belief. We saw how we struggled without it. Jalen is not a point guard. Jalen can take over some of those duties when he gets the rebound and he goes. But when it gets down to Big 12 tournament, NCAA tournament, and the game is one of those where everything matters. Not that they don't matter now, but when you get in there, it's just a little more tight. And, and, and you know, you use more of the shot clock. It's not as free-flowing. Guys are playing better defense. It's just you need a point guard. So I do think this, this team has gotten so much better with the emergence of Jalen yeah, early on the suspension, and then it then he wasn't starting right away. I think Jalen needs to be a starter. Uh, I think he's more comfortable that way, even though we don't look that much at starting as being so such a big deal. But I do think since he's you know he came back, I want to say when we were in Orlando, and then he didn't start for those three games and a couple after that. But once we've hit Big Twelve, he's been great. Uh, he uh, he's always around the ball. He loves that starting on the left side, dribbling to his right and finishing or pitching. So uh, he's a massive part of this team, and he's probably not an all-Big 12 guy, but he's probably right there if you just took Big 12 basketball. Yeah, Big 12 play only. I mean, he's been one of the five best players in the conference, and he does – it's just that hustle stuff, man. That's what's impressive is, you know, going back to to KU's offense, I'm looking at the numbers right now – this is the they're 15th in the country in two point shooting, and that's it's the second best that Bill Self's had in his career. The second best two point shooting team that Bill Self's had at KU, which is shocking considering they don't have one of those elite post players. Yeah, the, the one that makes that so much shock, so much more shocking is that with Devon Dodson and Doak, I mean. How many two, I mean, Devon wasn't a great three-point shooter. He got so many at the rim, and Doak obviously got everything at the rim. That, that is a very surprising stat. Uh-huh. I mean, and we're talking about, you know, a percentage point or two, but it just goes to show that, that yeah, you had the most efficient offensive player of all time in Udoka, and, and this team's better, but it's because of, of Jalen Wilson, of Christian, of Ochai. Um, those guys' ability to get downhill and score at the rim, what's, what's allowing that? With, without that elite, you know, Yudoka Azubuki, Joel Embiid, uh, Cole Aldridge, what's allowing this team to get so many easy buckets inside? Well, it's, it's Jalen, Christian, Dewan, and Ochai. They're, they're, they, they've all improved their games so much because, you know, Ochai didn't really have that last year. He wasn't going to the rim and finishing like he does this year. Jalen always had it. CB's gotten so much better at it. And Dewan's always been a guy that can kind of maneuver around the paint. So I just think all four of those guys have have improved so much off the bounce. And 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 again, that's where we really struggled last year was our ability to get into the paint and finish. And we're just so much better at that this year. All right, I'm not going to let you go before I get a Zach Clements question in. Uh, 
most electric player I've seen take the court for KU this year, and that's including Ochai, who might be National Player of the Year. I don't know what it is about this kid. You're saying that Zach Clem is the most electric player of the year so far. Yeah. Yep. I, I, I love him. I think that's a stretch. I don't know what it is about him. Like, I looked at his box score and I said, okay, this guy's only played nine minutes each of the last two games, but it feels like he's playing 25. Because when he's on the court, I cannot stop but, but watch him. And he yeah. seems like one of those kids who's just like doesn't know what he doesn't know. So True. he's just out there playing, doing everything, and maybe he's getting a little too hype for, for uh, the coaches at times, but he's fun to watch, well, think, man. Think about the two times that he's played great. It's after a big layoff. Like, you're right, he doesn't know what he doesn't know. Madison Square Garden, he was great. First game of the year. Oklahoma, he was great in nine minutes because he hadn't played for six weeks. So I, I don't want to see him have another layoff like that, but he has been great in those two games. What is it about him? I mean, like, do you, do you see him as being a guy over the next four years that can become a pretty special player here? For sure. Top 40 kid, you know, a guy that comes in here and, and – and is on the bench because of the depth that we have. The question is, does he have the patience to understand that, okay, I see what, what uh, Ochai's doing, and I see what CB's doing. And they, you know, some of them waited their turn, some of them didn't have to, just simply because of personnel. Zach's going to have to wait his turn. And uh, he's going to be a great player for us. He's a stretch five. He's got great basketball IQ. He knows how to play the game. And, and so, yeah. Uh, I think guys are going to do the math. We're going to lose a lot of guys off this team. So the guys that aren't playing know that there's going to be minutes to be had, and and that's what I think will will keep them here. All right, I know you've been, for anybody, we may have a clip or or two up on the Internet, but you've been watching the Oklahoma-Texas game. We're recording this on Tuesday night. Is the game still on? Yeah, it's uh, Texas is up three with 9.7 to go. Okay, so you have been, I've seen your eyes peering up to the TV screen in the background uh, this entire time. So I'm going to let you peacefully go and, uh, and watch that game. Well, you're turning it around now. So, uh, trouble for this? No, well, I, don't, I mean, this will be, I don't think ESPN is going to be sending me a cease and desist letter for that. They'll send you a cease and desist for something else probably. Yeah, they might. They might. I'll just, uh, I'll just direct it to your office. I was, you're by not, the way. You like how good of a multitasker I was? I was doing this and kind of... Yeah, a true professional, which I was I was wondering, actually, before we started this, how many years have you been on the, the radio crew now? I believe this is my 10th year on the radio, and then oh. before that, it was um, probably Jab Television Network for the previous 10, so all in all, in the 20-year range, and I'm still terrible... I wouldn't say that. Others might say that. I personally, I wouldn't say that. You wouldn't say it to my face. No, I would say it behind no. your back to, to other people. Uh, no, but it, seriously, at this point in the year, do you feel like you've generally had a, a pretty good sense of, of what a team's going to be? Like, are there years oh, where sure. teams surprise you or you feel, you feel like you've got a good feel? Well, you know, I, I didn't really see the Baylor thing coming, and I thought I had a pretty good feel. And... uh uh, it shows you what we can do. Now, can we do that on the road? Can we go to Baylor and play anywhere near that? I, that's the question, you know. And then, can you can you get into the NCAA tournament? And you're you're down by eight to a mid-major. 
do you have the ability to turn it off and on like we have at times this year? I don't know the answer to that. Bill doesn't know the answer to that. And, and, and that's what, what makes it great, but also makes it scary. And so I definitely have a good idea of who we are, but hey, it's a cliche time. It's a game by game deal. There you go. Greg, appreciate it. As always, I'll, uh, I'll let you get back to that game. Thanks for giving me a few minutes, man. All right, man. Thanks. All right, closing things out with a mailbag. We do this every week. I put the prompts up on Twitter. If you have a question for me and you're not following me on Twitter, just at me at Nick underscore Schwart, and I'm happy to answer them or get to as many of them as I possibly can. First question, is it just me or is it starting to feel like we're not going to see Remy again this year? Bill Self was asked about this on Hawk Talk on Tuesday. Here's what he had to say. Quote, I don't know. I would hope so in reference to if there's any chance for him to return in action the next week. Quote, he does some individual work, things like this, but he's still experiencing some pain. I'd like to see that because it's getting so late, you're probably going to put yourself in a position that it's going to be hard for him to be 100% good if he doesn't have a chance to practice and play with the guys. Right now, he is not ready, and he's not. I don't know if there's a time frame on it at all. It's just whenever he feels it. Do I think we're going to see Remy Martin again this season? No. I think if Remy Martin wanted to play, he'd be playing right now. I'm going to have to walk back some things I've said on this podcast. I said about a month ago, I thought KU needed Remy to be the best versions of themselves. Um, it's not that that's necessarily untrue. It's that it's unobtainable, right? When I said that, and I think when a lot of people are, are asking why Remy isn't playing more or wanting to see Remy playing more, you're holding on to your expectations of what Remy was going to be at Kansas when he was preseason Big 12 player of the year. You're holding on to only the good moments of Remy, only the best version of him which I think at this point in the season, it would be far-fetched to imagine you're going to get that consistently for an extended period of time. I feel like that version of Remy, the Remy that is all of the best parts of him without all of the bad habits, would make Kansas maybe the best team in the country. But that is not a real basketball player. That's your imagination. I think Bill Self and this coaching staff thought that they could take this guy who was a very talented shot maker and a ball handler and bottle that up and put them into this system around these other great players and you were going to have a really great version of Kansas basketball. But I think if, if Remy had any interest in doing that, we would have seen it even before he went down with the knee injury. I don't know how serious the knee injury is. It certainly seems like, just looking at the timetable, looking at the quotes we've heard, and just talking to a few people around the program, it certainly seems like if he wanted to go, he'd go. He'd be out there right now. But just as KU didn't get the version of Remy they thought they were getting, I don't think Remy is finding himself in a situation that he thought he'd find himself in. This is, this is going to be a product of the transfer portal of gambling on fits, gambling on your ability as a staff to get this guy to buy in and your ability as a player to find a good situation that's going to get the best out of you while also getting you to where you want to be. And in this case, it feels like it was a bad bet. Now, if I'm wrong, which there's a, there's a chance, you know, Remy comes back next week, 
and is healthy and ready to go and can try and be a key contributor on this team in March. If that happens, fantastic. But even if that does happen, in best case scenario, you get him back next week with four games to go. Are you sure that's enough time left in the season for him to just be inserted right back into the lineup playing 20 minutes a game with the way Joe Yesifu's been playing? Because they don't even, I don't even want to hear Dewan Harris's name when talking about Remy Martin the rest of the way. I don't even want to hear it because it's not going to happen. And you can say, yeah, but, but, you know, but, yeah, but he does this and that. it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. He's not playing over Dewan Harris. Dewan Harris is playing 35 plus minutes a game right now. Remy Martin is not coming back and taking minutes away from him. If anything, he's taking minutes away from Joe. Right now, like what I've seen from Joe lately, that seems to me like a guy who is willing to fit in, who is willing to just be another guy on the court, do his part, knock down open shots, put the ball on the deck when he needs to, play good defense, hustle his ass off. Like that's what's going to get you playing time under Bill Self. Remy Martin is not a lot of those things. So the, the scenario you want to conjure up where he comes back and, and does all the right things, that's great, but it kind of seems like a fairy tale. Do I think we'll see Remy Martin again this season? I don't, and even if we do, I'm not sure it matters. Speaking of which, based on what you've seen from Joe in the last five games, how confident are you in his ability to be a factor down the stretch? Well, I think Joe Yesifu is going to be the first guard off the bench the rest of the way. The last five games, he's played 25, 17, 15, only played four against Oklahoma when that rotation really shrunk up down the stretch. And then Oklahoma State, which he did get some extended run, but that was a blowout and you know the, the rotation did loosen up a little bit. There's always going to be minutes, especially when you're only playing one true ball handler. There's always going to be a minutes in a role available for a secondary ball handler. And at this juncture in the season, it feels like Yesifu certainly has surplanted Bobby Pettiford and even Jalen Coleman-Lands as that first guard off the bench. And what he brings to the table that those guys don't is the ability to be a ball handler. And he's a serviceable enough shooter to where playing Jalen Coleman-Lands over him doesn't really matter given that he is a much better defender than Jalen is. So I think he's going to be the first guard off the bench as to what sort of factor he's going to have. If these games are tight, the rotation is going to get tight as well. I mean, Dewan's playing about 38 minutes a game, 35 minutes a game. There's not a lot of minutes as the true point for anybody else to steal. Maybe a couple minutes here or there. So you're really asking me, will I see Joe Yesifu alongside Dewan for extended stretches? And if KU's at their best with Christian Brown playing well, with Ochai playing well, with Jalen playing well, I don't know where the minutes are at for Yesifu. So I think he's a 10 to 15 minute per game guy down the stretch, but that to me is a factor. That to me is a guy who comes in in spurts, hits a couple big shots off the bench. That can be the lift that KU needs on a given night. So uh, I'm pretty confident that he's going to play, that he has certainly carved out a role on this team, which is cool. For a guy who, who was sort of struggling and, and, and pretty much a non-factor, sort of steal your term there earlier in the season. Staying on that same train, next question. While Yesifu is starting to get more run, will Self's handling or just the results or stats of the transfers be an issue in future years? Or is this a one-off? You know, it's hard to tell because this is sort of the trial run of transfers. And I think all coaches are going to have to sort of adjust and evolve in this new era of freedom of movement for college basketball players. 
it, it, in the case of Joe Yesifu, yes, he could still transfer and go somewhere else. It wouldn't be an ideal situation for him. But knowing that these guys have more freedom and they have the ability to, you know, search for greener pastures if things aren't working out, your coach, you, you have to sort of ease up your expectations of what these guys are going to be, unless you simply don't care about hitting the reset button and restocking the cupboards every year. Even if you're okay with that, it's just not an ideal way to go about team building. You want consistency. You want guys who know the system. You want guys who know what's expected of them. So for Yesifu, I, I, I hope he's going to stick around. I think if he does, he's going to have an opportunity for more playing time next year. If, if uh, Christian Brown goes pro, obviously Ochai is going to be done after this. Like There's an easy route to, to more playing time next year. But I, I don't know if I can really put terms on, on what Bill Self should be doing differently with these transfers. If anything, it's more about the actual process of identifying what you want and who's good, who is good fits. Like, you can't just go for the splashy guys. You can't just go for the athletes, the guys who you say, okay, well, uh, they're super quick. They can make shots. That's what we need. If anything, this will make you or force you to be more judicious in figuring out who fits best in your system, knowing that it's going to be a lot easier on your life if you don't have to pick a guy and then replace him with somebody else because that guy wasn't a good fit the year before. Next question, barring foul trouble, have we seen the last of major Mitch minutes with Adams or Zach Clements being mixed and matched as the backup big? Uh, If I were a betting man, I think Mitch is probably still going to play at some point down the stretch. Uh, Big minutes, you know, if we're talking 15 plus minutes a game. I don't know, Mitch has been really efficient offensively, but if we're talking about what this team lacks, and you go back to that Oklahoma game where Bill just kept looking down the bench, uh, who's next? Who's the next big guy for me to throw in there? The problem is there is no Jeff Withy or Joel Embiid or Cole Aldridge or Yudoka Azubuki sitting on that bench waiting to check in. There is no elite rim protector that he seemingly is yearning for every time he looks down the bench during the game. That guy does not exist on this team. So what you're going to have to decide if you're him is is what do you value most, most out of that position knowing you're not getting the one thing that you desperately need. Zach Clements, he plays with a... And that guy plays with a swag that I think is really fun and he obviously plays hard. He doesn't know what he doesn't know. So, you know, he's not really thinking out there. I think eventually there will be a moment where you say, okay, there's the freshman in him. But as for now... He's only played nine minutes each of the last two games. It certainly felt like more than that. I think we've seen enough of KJ Adams. I'm not, and this isn't like a, to denigrate him whatsoever. It's just that I think I kind of know what he is this year. He is an athlete. He's going to play hard. He's going to scrap hard. But I don't really think he knows where he's supposed to be either. So to answer the question, I think it's going to be pretty much what we've seen for the past two years, which is you're going to play Dave as much as you possibly can until you're forced to play somebody else, at which point you just sort of play Russian roulette with the other bigs until you find the missing piece. As of right now, that's Zach Clements. But I'm telling you, there's going to be a game over the next two-plus weeks where Zach Clements does something to piss Bill Self off, and then he has to turn to Mitch or KJ Adams, who then will get their turn until they screw up. And that revolving door will probably continue to go round and round until the season's over. 
All right, last question for this week. What do you see as the biggest issue in closing games? So if we just want to look at the last three games, Texas, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, you lose the Texas game. We talked about this last week. Uh, Poor execution offensively, bad luck on defense. Oklahoma, missing free throws. Oklahoma State, couldn't make a shot down the stretch. Didn't matter because you built a big lead. If I'm boiling it down to one thing, I'm saying free throws, and that's the most frustrating thing to have to point to because... There's really nothing else to say about it other than hope they make them, right? Coaches aren't going to talk about it. They're not going to harp on it in practice. This team should be a good free throw shooting team. Ochai, I would think his numbers should be higher than they are. 73%. Uh, Christian Brown at 76%. Jalen Wilson seemingly has missed some big ones down the stretch. I mean, they make a couple of those free throws against Oklahoma. We're not talking about that being a nail biter where it seemed like they were trying to give the game away. So what's the biggest issue? It's free throw shooting, man. It's free throw shooting. The execution, you, you just sort of expect to be there because this has been a team that's executed fairly well on offense all year long. I know there's been you know, little spurts where this hasn't worked or that hasn't worked. The Texas game, to me, again, is a, is a bit of an anomaly and not something I, I expect to come back to bite them. But the free throw shooting can, and you hope that it's not getting in their head. They currently rank 212th in the country in free throw percentage with the shooters they have on this team and especially having a big guy like Dave who gets to the line as much as he does and is as efficient as he is shooting 70% from the line, you'd expect them to be better in those moments. So that's it, man. Make your free throws and we're not having a lot of these conversations. All right, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you're listening. Thank you so much. Again, maybe a bonus episode coming later this week. If not, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Waving the week. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t-mobile.com.